The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live! From MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of BTL. Hope everyone's having a wonderful week. The MMA and combat sports space is a busy one as always, so let us not waste one more second and introduce the participants on this week's program. First, a man who has talked a lot this week just because he's hosted multiple shows. He's been on multiple shows and now he's on another one. Mr. No Gray Area, a man with takes so hot, you'll need two air conditioners in your room. But will those takes finally get him a victory over the champion? He now has longer hair than the champion. Let's find out. Jed Mashu is here. How are you? First of all, I think I won the first the first battle with Drake. I absolutely should have won our most recent contest, and I think even Drake would have hit that, but his fan base is is simply too strong. And third, <laughs> I now know what it, I now know what you felt like when you were on Radio Row and just talked a lot because I've been doing a lot of talking this week and I got to be honest, I'm even tired of me at this point. Oh yeah, there's nothing. There's no feeling better than by fight day. You just don't want to hear yourself. Well, and I feel like you're, you might be in that situation. But who knows? This this show brings a, a little bit of a different a different vibe out of Jed Bashu as he takes on the reigning champion. We handle our the old regional pro wrestling titles where we don't just like throw title matches on every show we space them out we make sure it's big money big ticket sales mma mania's drake riggs looks to keep that belt on the proverbial mantle although he doesn't have a belt officially but he has a new haircut hello my friend 
Hey, yeah, I know I'm a new man, nice and fresh, growing the locks out for what it was a little over two years. And no, I know we need to make an official like detail it. belt. What are we doing? Oh, doesn't I don't, suit I don't you? Like the haircut? No, good? no you gotta <laughs> gotta go back. It's, it's way cooler. All right, give me some time. Why don't you like? Why don't <laughs> you like it, Because it's just this is I don't know this Drake. This is uh, and change is bad, as we all know. Change is a bad thing. Um, so yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, I'm growing my hair out, as you can see. So uh, let's good. get into this thing. Yeah, it, it'll be gone tomorrow morning. Let's get into this thing because, as everybody knows by now, Nate Diaz was on the MMA Hour on Tuesday. And the long and the short of it, he didn't really say anything we didn't already know or anything we hadn't been already speculating but I will say, like, when you get to hear it from the man himself and you have somebody like Ariel asking him those types of questions, it just provides more context. It just seems more real. Like, we finally get to, to understand where the man is coming from. But he's made it very clear to the UFC and anyone who is a fan of the UFC, to the promotion, cut the crap, give me my last fight, let me go on my merry way. I have no interest in re-signing or extending my deal. I want out, just give me my final fight. Of course, to be fair, we didn't hear from the other side. There's two sides to every story, but this current chapter in the UFC versus Diaz saga is sort of consistent to everything we thought we knew about the situation, Drake. So your reaction to the interview, Nate's thoughts on everything, etc. now that we got to hear from Mr. 209 himself. Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, I thought it was majorly just your typical Diaz kind of ramble-a-thon, at least in the very end of it. Like the first 10 minutes, I found the most fascinating because, you know, he's getting warmed up a little bit, talking, uh, not giving as long of answers and as being as comfortable as he ended up being towards the end of the show, which kind of lost my interest. You know, don't really – nothing I was too interested in hearing about. But um, it was interesting, though, to – kind of hear him just speak about it on the platform that he was on with the MMA hour. And it's always interesting with Ariel. And um, yeah, he didn't say anything too new. The thing I found most interesting was him kind of talking about going back to the Benson Henderson title fight, his only UFC title fight. And around that time where he was kind of wanting out a little bit is how he said it. And maybe realizing that the pay wasn't as good as it should arguably be kind of highlighting what he was making around then and whatnot. But uh, yeah, for the most part, it didn't really tell us anything too new. I mean, he said that Hamzat declined him and whatnot. Of course, he's never going to say that he's the one turning down these fights and whatnot. We don't really know exactly who is. Um, it's always, you know, what he said, she said, whatever. Um, but yeah, I think it would be nice and really great to see him just get what he wants because he doesn't want to be there anymore and be let go. But we know that's never going to happen. UFC is going to hang on to him for one more and most likely that counter trilogy uh, or something like that just to get him out of there, even though they didn't want the Hamzat one. And that doesn't seem like it will be happening at this point for whatever reasons. Um, but also, Ariel pointed out right after, and I thought it was kind of interesting to note how Nate never actually said anything negative specifically about like you know the ufc or dana being like dickheads to him or anything of that sort he was just saying you know i want out you know i don't it's kind of sick of this i'm over it it's not about the money for me anymore i got enough money i just want to be able to go do my own thing so 
it's good. I think that he got to do that and talk about it for as long as he did. But if you've been following kind of the story, none of the stuff he said should really surprise you or be too new. But overall, I think it's always good to have the kind of conversations that he's bringing up and, you know, people talking about independent contractors and yada, yada, especially in the same week that Dana gives out 250 bucks to some guy. (laughs) So, yeah. 250,000 bucks. 250,000 That's bucks. That, that, right. Yes. <laughs> hey, that was those a part of it. Different <laughs> <numbers>. <laughs> yeah, definitely different numbers. Uh, Jed, I mean, I don't know how many times on the show we have talked about the Nate Diaz UFC thing, but now this wasn't a tweet from Nate Diaz. This wasn't Dana White talking to the media about Nate Diaz after a tweet, after a press conference promoting an event in the future. We got to hear from the man himself in an extended amount of time. So your thoughts on what Nate Diaz had to say? Has it changed your perspective? Do you view the situation in any different way than you did a month ago when we last talked about it? No, because he said everything that I've been saying, that you've been saying, that that we all knew. Like this is – this just is what it is as far as this goes. And it's really unfortunate uh, that Nate's in this situation because – uh, the only thing he said that was different or really felt like that that really stood out to me uh, was, and I can't remember the exact wording, so uh, sorry about this, but it was about how when he signed his contract, he felt like he was he was fighting for his life function, like this is that, and like that, just that framing really jumped out at me. But the rest of it was all like, yeah, he clearly doesn't want to be here anymore. He hasn't for a while. Um, that's why he has been so adamant about getting a fight. Uh, and it's really super shitty that the UFC can do this to people, uh, because they just shouldn't be able to, like, you shouldn't be able to freeze somebody out who actively wants to fight. Uh, there, there is no good faith clause obviously in their contracts because very clearly they are not working in good faith. And that like, that's, they obviously want to hold him for a specific fight, uh, or hold it hold this over him for re-signing him purposes and should they not be able to re-sign him they want to give him the worst possible fight for him and this is nothing new they've done this for a long time with a lot of people it doesn't make it doesn't make predatory business just because predatory business practices go on doesn't make them any more palatable still really really shitty um and so it, it sucks to hear it directly from the horse's mouth but again this is stuff we knew uh the thing that I, I took the most from it is that Nate could have could have gone another way with this, and instead, like you noted, uh, like Drake, you know, uh, like Drake noted, not you, sorry, Mike, he he didn't say anything super negative about the UFC. He just said, "Hey, they've been great. I want to leave," uh, which is a really mature way to handle this because when one party holds all the power, being real you know, mad at them as justifiable as it would be is not going to help them at all. He is largely forced into hoping for the good graces of Dana White or somebody to just stop being a huge piece of shit. Um, because that's all this is like it, it, it is that simple. And if you are one of the people who are, are licking the corporate boots, just get, get the hell off the program, man. Like, I'm not going to say anything that's going to make you happy. Uh, and nothing will make you happy because there's obviously a big hole in your life where you weren't loved enough to think that shit like this is okay because it's super, super not. So, yeah, uh, the UFC is doing an awful thing to 
a fighter that I'm not even like a huge fan of. Like I like Nate fine, but I've never been like a Diaz dude, but he's objectively in the right. This like in this situation, then he should be able to go apply his trade elsewhere. Like he, if he wants to go box or whatever, or do jujitsu, let him go do that. You can just, it, it takes so little to just be a good company and they, but they really super will not do it. And that sucks. Yeah. And that's the thing because Nate, Nate is a very opportunistic guy. He's a sly, sly individual because of the surface. And I've had friends who have watched the Diaz McGregor fights. They know who Nate is, but they aren't fully engulfed in the sport. They'll say to me, you know, Nate's, Nate's a burnout. He thinks he's bigger than he is. Why would the UFC cater to him and all of these things? Oh, and then not. I just tell them like, yeah, but this guy, he's smart, he's cunning, and he's been uber successful because of how cunning and how smart he is. And it's led him to not lose any steam at all, despite some of these losses that he's had. And a couple of them have been pretty one-sided. You go back to the Mazadal fight at UFC 244, he got, I mean, he got wrecked in that fight that fight was not close that was not competitive and diaz still was able to gain some steam from that even though it was a one-sided beatdown but i mean it's just it's just crazy the way he's able to do this and very like i said he's an opportunistic guy and if the ufc just let him do what he wants like just give him his fight let him move on with his life who knows? Maybe two years down the road, they offer Nate something. Exactly. He says, okay, and comes back. Like, why Why can't you just have your cake and eat it too? So let me ask you this, Jed. It's February 2023. All right. We're going to jump in the – we're going to move up in time here. Are we, are we talking about Diaz post-UFC life in February 2023? Or are we still having a very similar discussion on this show and on other shows? I think he's gone by 2023, but you make exactly the right point of like selfishness and being a, being like a cutthroat business person is almost, I'm not even almost, it's all, it is always a short sighted tactic. Like you could just not be shitty and life will unfold in a substantially better way for you. Like maybe, maybe this isn't, isn't the incident that inspires people to be pissed off, but like, there is an endless supply of ammunition for any disgruntled UFC fighter to be like, hey, this is all bad and we should fix it. And at some point, all of that will add up. And this is another piece to that of, hey, they sold a billion dollar company and I still am begging for cash handouts at the end of fights. Hey, Dana White just gave a quarter million dollars to to dudes who make who already have more money than me because they're YouTubers or whatever. Hey, all of our contracts are like they're super predatory and entirely one way. And one of the biggest stars in the sport got screwed. If they can do that to Nate, oh, oh my God, what can they do to me? Like all of these things will eventually add up to make things worse uh, for the company in the long run. Whereas if you're just not an asshole, it all works out better. And like you said, maybe Nate does come back. Maybe Nate goes because right now he clearly wants to go box. Maybe he goes and he boxes, he makes a big payday or whatever. Maybe he gets one or two of them. And maybe then at the end of it, he's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm seeing my options dry up a little bit here. I can go back to the UFC and there's a big fights in, with UFC fighters for me. Like that's, that's always a thing, but they, it's not how they operate. They're entirely short-sighted. And to some extent it's, it, it works because they're, you know, a billion dollar in, entity, but like 
I often think that's we don't know what they could have been because they could have been substantially more. And the last point here to make is that like this for any of the people who are pro UFC here, one, you're stupid. I'm just going to tell you that straight up Two, this is not a Nate Diaz thinks he's too big for his britches. Because, as he said, and sure, you can debate the veracity of this, but there's no reason, like, there's no reasonable reason to think that he is false, that they are offering him essentially more money than he's ever made to make him one of the highest paid athletes in the sport. Like, that is entirely credible because he is that big a draw. People know him and love him. And so this this is entirely about control, and the UFC wants it, and Nate wants, wants to control himself. He does not want to be in the situation he's in and that they should let him go because it's the morally correct thing to do. And if they refuse, they should at least give him a fight. And I think that at some point it feels like Nate has finally learned. He just has to say yes to whoever, and they have to offer him a fight. He will just say, yes, fight it. The same thing I've been saying forever, dude, just go in there, have your corner throw in the towel, leave the company and be on your way. Drake, February 2023, true or false, Nate Diaz still under contract at the UFC. Oh, um, man, that's like, I think that's the perfect timeline right there, Mike, to where we could, you know, have something figured out for sure. But I'm going to say, I'm going to say false. I think that he will end up getting a fight maybe around the end of the year, maybe could be, you know, the first uh, events of 2023 in January. Um, but I'm going to say false. I think he'll be out by then. And the whole idea of, you know, him potentially coming back. I like everything Jed say, and I think there's, you know, great merit to it. And he's making a lot of good points, but I don't know. I struggle to see, and I guess it could be different with someone like Nate. Uh, I struggle to see him coming back to the UFC at any point after leaving, considering what he could make or get from it out of there even though he is saying you know it's not about the money for him and he wants to do these different types of challenges he'll take on anybody yada yada um once he just sees that freedom and ability to do so much more with his fighting career and opportunities it makes me think why would i go back to there when it was this way before like what are the odds of it changing despite maybe the movement it could create like jed mentioned it's probably not going to be quick enough in the lifespan of an ADS fight career where he's still relevant enough. And yes, he says he's never going to retire. So who knows? We could see Nate Diaz fighting into his sixties for all we know, but we don't want to see that, do we? So uh, it's a very interesting dynamic with someone like him who also at the same time, if we're going to be completely honest, isn't like the best fighter or anything. So who knows if he goes on to box and whatnot and gets beat up and doesn't have a lot of success, but he's still drawing numbers because he's Nate Diaz and just wants to have, these fights to have them and whatnot like would the ufc even be interested at that point so there's a lot of different things to go into with someone like him who's not let's say in the prime of their career and doing as good as they have ever but ultimately i think that 2023 february uh we'll get something done it seems like dana is it's always hard to tell with him but like he's leaning towards getting kind of tired of this as well at least from the minimal interactions that he's spoken about and saying oh he should probably go fight jake paul like it makes me think maybe if this can ramp up more and this is a great continuation with this uh, long interview that he did he'll, he'll do something they'll they'll get something together somebody will fight him i mean who's gonna say no to nate diaz anyway and he's just got to say yes to whoever it is in the long run 
yeah, he wants to fight in July and, or August, and I doubt that happens, but who knows? Maybe February 2023 he'll be out of there. But uh, last thing on this, and then we'll move on. Drake, Je- Je- uh, maybe this whole situation gets this something that pisses everybody off. They're like, well, they can do this to Nate. Maybe they could, they'll do this to anybody. So does this change anything for the future? Like, does this situation, in your opinion, open the eyes to the rest of the roster in any way? Like, we all want this to happen, all right? We all want that shoe to drop somewhere. We all want these fighters to come together and get more and get what they're worth and get what, they're deserve, what they deserve, and they just won't do it. Like, a $4.2 billion to do it, $1 billion a year, essentially, from, from for the UFC in profits, this ESPN deal that is making them money hand over fist. None of this stuff has done it. Does this situation change a thing in that regard? I don't think so. I don't think Nate's the guy for that. I mean, we've seen already that they can go on and do just fine without him, and they can you know, pretty much go on and do just fine without anybody. But if this was someone like Connor, for example, that's obviously the guy who would be able to you look at him and be like, oh, wow, he's actually the one in this spot. Now, I think that would be a lot different than someone like Nate who, you know, has not been very active and not to say Connor has either, but it's still Connor. And there are levels to this. And you can always make that argument that Connor supremely elevated Nate's popularity once their fights happen. I don't even know if that's a debate anymore, really. I think uh, it's kind of that's just fact when you look at everything. So I wouldn't say that Nate is the guy, honestly, and as popular as he is and as long as he's been around um we've seen it time and time again with many people but connor i think would be that guy he's you know the top of the mountain when it comes to all that stuff jed anything any steps forward at all or is there a better chance of the ufc bringing in another reality show called the ultimate contender where they combine tough and the contender series into one super show and we could just bring in prospects to make uh way less money than nate or connor anybody else is making yeah, they they don't need a new show. They just have an endless supply of fine people off the contender series to make ten and ten, cheap labor, baby. Woohoo! <laughs> there you go. There's there's not much else to say on that topic. Like that that is what the contender series is. And if you guys don't see that, you're just not paying attention. That's all it is. Well, let's move on. It was, uh, again, if you haven't watched the actual interview, I highly suggest you take a little over an hour of your time and go watch it because Nate opens up and oh, he's very Machiavelli respectful. Rules. Yeah, Machiavelli rules. We got uh, Chris Avila. I was saying <laughs> Chris Avila just, just takes over for a minute. Everybody's favorite. Everyone on, yeah. loves Chris Avila. Nate, Nate literally takes a piss break and Chris Avila subs in. And then Nick Maximoff shows up for a couple minutes. I mean, literally the whole, the whole Diaz crew uh was there at some point so it was really good stuff uh kudos to ariel for making it happen but the point for round one goes to to the man with more hair jed Bashu. it is one to nothing good start to the to the battle the nba playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. 
and new customers to DraftKings can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let's move on to things that actually happened inside the Octagon, like this past Saturday. Rafael Fazeev gets his big opportunity, gets to headline a card against a former world champion in Rafael Dos Anjos. It was the battle of the, the Rafaels or the Rafaels, however you want to put it. In the end, it was Rafael who gets it done. He was up 3-1, at least on my scorecard, heading into that fifth round. Goes in, puts RDA away quick in the fifth round. I know people were complaining about the stoppage, but there's nothing to complain about, especially if you watched the slow-mos and the alternate angles of the replays. Mark Smith did a great job. This is not a controversial stoppage whatsoever. And Rafael Fazeev gets it done. So, Jed, this is your division. You have sung the praises of the lightweight division for years. You continue to do so. And now we have this exciting crop of talents moving on up at 155. We talked about it on the ranking show. But how impressed were you with this performance from Rafael Fazeev? What is the ceiling on this man after watching him put away a very durable guy, especially at 155 and Rafael Dos Anjos. I was super impressed. Um, I liked uh, Rafael Fazeev, but I didn't know how much. I mean, he, we'd, we'd seen him have some setbacks. Uh, yeah, some setbacks. We'd seen him not even look like the best, but uh, when when he got his biggest fight, he, he showed up. And you can say that Sure, RDA is a, a thousand, and so that win you take some of the shine off it. But RDA is still a very good fighter. That that did not look that much to me like RDA was diminished. It looked like he just didn't have the tools to to win the fight. He tried to do the things he wanted to do, and couldn't 
couldn't do him enough. Uh, it, it, it actually boosted my estimation of Fazeev. Um, so before that I had, before that fight, I had kind of preset my rankings, uh, to where I thought everything would be. And then I'd adjust for the last couple of fights that, that were relevant. And I had Fazeev, I think at like top 10 ish in the division, uh, sort of on that cusp, uh, one like him and RDA were right there and after that fight uh because of his because of what he did there because of a lot of the things he showed and frankly just because of his style I think this I, I he's my number five lightweight in this in this iteration of the rankings like I think he and I and I could be wrong on that because he would I think I'd still pick Matush Gamera and Armand Sarukian to beat him but he could give both of those guys a ton of trouble and he can really give most people in this division a, a tough fight. He is, he has blossomed into one of the best lightweights in the world, and so I, I don't think he's ever going to win the belt. But we talked in the ranking show earlier this week. I think we all sort of unanimously agreed he's probably going to be the first guy among this crop of rising contenders to get a title shot, just because he feels the closest. And his callouts are strange, but oddly oddly appealing like i i enjoyed the, the rafael nadal call out i thought that that was amusing it's certainly different uh and you know he he's the one true rafael now ralph, ralph dos Anjos is uh he, he's not it anymore he's ralph and no one likes a ralph that's <laughs> ralph is ralph is a ralph is what you say when someone's throwing up and you're in like middle school and like yeah it gets out back ralph and it's it just is what it is so Give me Rafael Fazeev uh, to challenge for the belt within the next 18 months to a year because lightweight is incredibly constipated at the top because everybody just refuses to do anything cool up there. Uh, they all just – Michael Chandler and Dustin Poirier want to fight each other despite having not beaten somebody outside of their little bubble in like 10 years or something stupid. So, yeah, uh, I, I, it might take a while, but I do think within the next 18 months he will challenge for the title. Drake, what did you think? Did, did it live up to the expectations? Are you as high on Fazeev as, as Jed is and, and a lot of other people are? What did you think of this performance? I, I think it was undeniably a very good performance by him. Um, I didn't really know what to expect out of it, though, you know, going in. I knew it would be a very interesting matchup for him and one that we kind of needed to see against somebody like RDA, who, yeah, I don't think is over the hill yet or anything like that. I think he could still hang with a lot of the guys. And I think that he did hang with Fazeev despite you know comfortably kind of losing his way up until the finish and then you know obviously definitively losing and getting knocked out um cleanly like in real time yeah that did look a little quick but I'm glad you mentioned that Mike because it was actually a pretty pretty darn good stoppage by the ref there what I believe it was Mark Smith who jumped in uh had a great timing but uh yeah no Fazeev looked great and I think the most important thing we kind of saw out of this and we already knew that his takedown defense was good as they kind of continued to remind us throughout the entire fight but uh what was most impressive to me was seeing his takedown defense continually tested and him kind of passing with uh, pretty flying colors there. I know what they calculated one at, at least out of there, maybe two uh, by the time it was over, but still was never in really any big trouble in that regard. And for a striker of his caliber being, you know, one of the very best in the division, I think that was huge, especially considering who was at the top of the division, you know, two phenomenal grapplers in very different um aspects charles Oliveira and then islam makachev and so i think that we will i would not at all be surprised if faziv challenges for the title i think he definitely will challenge for the title at some point i'm not sure how soon 18 months still feels kind of quick to me just because of 
how weird lightweight is right now and what is all kind of going on with it and who's around and you know connor potentially jumping in to <laughs> make things last even longer for whomever but um yeah I, I think that he will be a title challenger at some point but to call say he'll be champion i'm not quite ready to say that just because of the challenges that styles like Oliveira and makachev specifically provide him i think that those guys you know are some serious trouble for him not that he can't do well but uh Amakachev is like one that really fascinates me considering how well his takedown defense has continued to be i struggle to see it being as good as that against Amakachev, and i'm sure even names like gamrot and uh, sarukian could make things very interesting there too but yeah, no, his performance against RDA was definitely very good. You could argue his best, um, maybe not the flashiest of knockouts or finishes that he has had in his career, but uh, yeah, very good, very impressive. The battle of Rafael and Rafael was fun stuff. And um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if next he he goes out and gets matched with Benil, Benil Dariush and uh, poor Benil loses after all the momentum he's gained. <laughs> I mean, I love the Gaethje fight. I actually think there's a very good chance that fight could happen because both are getting – I mean, the story's just there. It's just – it's kismet for those two guys because both fun strikers, both getting nose surgeries in the same month right around the same time, both looking to come back right around the same time. It just makes sense. It's like it's like, it's like a perfect thing between those two guys. And if Fazib beats Gaethje, he's definitely got a claim for a title shot. Just don't know if he does – that. the constipated word uh, is a great one to describe lightweight, but – Last thing on this, and then we'll move on. Uh, Drake, outside of, holy crap, Fazeev is really, really good. What was your biggest takeaway from Vegas 58? <laughs> well, I like that takeaway. Well well said there, Mike. But, uh, man, biggest takeaway from that card. Um, I mean, Saeed Nurmagomedov is very, very talented and continues to show that the Bantamweight division is the best in the world. Across all organizations, I do not care. It is better than lightweight. I know Jed Ooh. will argue with this one. We've argued a oh, bit, man. but the depth of yeah, this you're just objectively fucking wrong, dude. Is it? Like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like I don't. Jose, if you're watching this, can you hop on real fast? Because I've had to make the point a million times, and I'm getting tired of it. It's just like, yeah, I, they're smaller, and it's they they move very quickly. It's just not as good a division. It's never been. But please continue, Drake. <laughs> Well, Saeed Nurmagomedov looking phenomenal as a striker, as a Nurmagomedov, which is something you don't often see. Um, I think I'd probably have to go with him as my highlight. I mean, the rest of this card didn't do anything too spectacular for me, but I do want to give an honorable mention to uh, Kennedy uh, and Zetchakwu, if I pronounce that correctly, as well, who first cut through Carl Robertson like butter, um, you know, utilizing his wrestling, which is kind of something we've never really seen, especially in that degree before. So I think he deserves a shout out, but I think um, the continuation of Saeed proving how amazing the Bantamweight division is probably my highlight. Jed, your biggest takeaway from Vegas 58 outside of Fazeev winning the battle of Rafael versus Raf uh, versus Rafael and us realizing that Fazeev's actually a really, really, really good fighter. I mean, that's the big takeaway, but the the other one is, uh, and Drake mentioned it, it's Kenny and, and, and Chekwu. I mean, that the dude has a lot of potential just because of his sheer physicality. Like, he is enormous, uh, and he looked great against Carl Roberson. Now, granted, Carl Roberson, former middleweight, not the greatest fighter in the world, but 
Kennedy's still relatively young, uh, especially for light heavyweight. And, and that's it. I mean, we could also talk about, uh, the lightweights because for as much as as much as people wrongly want to say bantamweight's the best like jamie malarkey and michael johnson are what top 50 lightweights come on man what are we even doing here (laughs) those dudes are top 50 lightweights and they're still better than most people in most divisions it's the best weight class uh because two top 50 dudes still put on one of the more fun fights in the card let's be honest and michael johnson i'm not gonna say he got robbed but like he has he has a case to be angry about. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, you know, it was a let's let's be real. This card was a, was a pretty forgettable card. There were a lot of forgettable things that happened on it, um, and we're we're on to better ones because Long Island, at least on paper, a little bit better. And next week is London, and that's let's go, baby. Love the London card. There we go. Is this the first show we've done as like the whole member and chat setup? I've, I've, it's the first time I've seen it. First time I've seen there's it. So this, this will be fun. This will be exciting. I guess there's some sort of new live chat scenario. Thanks to the, uh, the MMA hour, uh, big fans. I don't know, but we have new men. <laughs> like you can become a member. I don't know. I don't know. This is oh. all new to me. It's all too new to me. And this is all very exciting stuff, but. I, I hope all of, the people Drake brings with him from the fan base that I truly do not know where he gets it from, but credit to you, bud. I hope they're all paying to be members of our live chat now. Maybe if you actually came on and defended your friggin' title, they'd be here all the time and we'd make a lot of money. What am I doing right now? <laughs> this, do you remember the last time we we did this dance? It was like and two months ago. <laughs> sure. It was last month. It was last month. I, okay. I call, I come whenever I'm called, man. <laughs> That's Put true. Put it on mic. I'll defend every week if I have to. Oh, okay. Now I, I like where we're going <laughs> here. The points for round two, before we talk about something just really exciting, goes to. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to talk Let's about skip this. the next round if we could. <laughs> yeah. Go to the interim bantamweight champion, Drake Riggs. Now that he has a haircut, he's now weighing in the bantamweight limit. Nicely done. Right. I love the bantamweight division as well. Jed has a point. I it's think a good division. Is... Oh, yeah. not, listen, bantamweight listen, is I mean, probably have, the second you're not best been division watching in the sport. Guys like Davey Grant, Adrian Yanez, all these guys who we'll see. Like half, half of the MMA fighting Bantamweight ranks are in Bellator. That's how I know it's not the best division in the sport. Cause, cause if Bellator owns a large number of good fighters in it, that division sucks ass. Boom. <laughs> Lawyer. Can't fight wow. that argument. Can you? Boom. Wow. That's, that's why I argue it. That it is better because <laughs> there's more from everywhere. You see, it's all top heavy with the UFC. Hey, listen, if, if the UFC was WCW in the late 90s, the Bantamweight division would be the cruiserweight division of that WCW iteration, which is awesome Not because there's a lot of people who just watched Nitro just to watch the cruiserweights run around, flip around, and just have these crazy wrestling matches. But the money was with Hogan and, you know, the money divisions, the 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 heavier guys, you know what I mean? But that's neither here nor there. Let's talk about something that everybody, I mean, everybody is here to talk about. Professional boxing at Madison Square Garden, the Mecca, the world's most famous arena. We thought we were gonna see Jake Paul 
versus Tommy Fury. Tommy Fury could not get into the United States. And instead, Jake Paul will take on 12 and one professional boxer, Haseem Rockman Jr. This is happening, and Amanda Serrano is on the under is not the on the undercard. She's the co-headliner for her bout. But we're back to MSG with most valuable promotions. Jake Paul will will close the show against Haseem Rockman Jr. Jed, I have to ask you, do you care at all about this? Like the other ones we at least could talk about and find ways to sell it, but golly, I have really tried to find a way to just like find a, something to like here and I just can't. I can't find anything to like here. Do you care? Does this have potential to just be a horrific flop altogether? I don't know. Um, I My care level is very low. I have a... I have at least a passing interest just because Jake Paul has become such a thing to us in this industry and, and this sport that I am at least like I'm going to get people that text me to, about that. Like that is a hundred percent a thing that will happen uh, in the next two weeks. So people will start being like, Ooh, this Jake Paul thing. So I have at least a marginal interest, mostly and in honestly knowing the outcome uh, less in watching uh, the boxing match because it's, not good boxing um but i am any interest i have also ties to to some extent this does feel like jake paul is actually taking a risk and he has managed his career extremely well up to this point um where all of it has looked like there there was a case to be made that this was a risky step and i thought tommy fury made a lot of sense kind of going along that same thing uh but haseem Rahman, rockman jr arguably is is actually more risky just because he's a I'm not gonna use the word more accomplished because he hasn't beaten almost he's beaten nobody really worth their salt in boxing the one good fighter he faced knocked him out but he he's huge he's an absolutely enormous person with a large size advantage and he is a professional boxer at the minimum and so this is a pretty big step up in that regard so i guess Theoretically, this is where the rubber meets the road, right? We're going to find out if Jake Paul is a celebrity boxer or if Jake Paul is, to some extent, a real boxer. Um, but I, I don't really care that much about it. Uh, it. It just sort of is a thing. And a lot of people are going to like it. And if you do it, that's cool. I'm not here to yuck your yum. But this one's not. Th- this one is much less for me than any of the others have been. What do you think about this, Drake? Because if you recall, when Jake Paul last graced the squared circle, you and I were there together in beautiful Tampa, Florida, when he knocked Great out time. Tyron Woodley to conclude one of the worst combat sports fights in the history of combat sports fights. This was a brutal fight with Tyron Woodley. It was a really tough watch. And we got the knockout, which sort of changed the narrative of it all. But it seemed like even then... Losing Tommy Fury and then getting Woodley, that some of the steam was being lost here. Woodley knockout, he got a lot more steam, and then we just haven't seen him in a while. He got the promoter role, which is great. He has done tremendous in this foray to boxing. He's done an amazing job becoming must watch TV in a lot of ways. The promotion, what he did, being a part of the Amanda Serrano, Katie Taylor fight, like he's done a tremendous job. Do you care about this fight at all? Is this something that you are going to make sure that no matter what, on August 6th, 
my ass is on the couch. Showtime pay-per-view is on. And I'm taking the batteries out of the remote because I ain't changing the channel. <laughs> oh, Mike, you're just asking questions. You know the answer to at this point. I could not... I literally could not care less about this fight. Uh, I, I mean, I don't really care about boxing in general. So this being a more boxing challenge and less weird freak show spectacle of sorts for Jake makes me even less interested. I'm going to do everything I can to be as far away from this fight as I possibly can, Mike. I, I want nothing to do with it. This is already too much talking about it right now for me. But um, yeah, and that's why I think it's kind of hilarious, though, because watch, this will be the fight that people are the least interested in by a good margin and it will end up being the one where jake loses like i just have a feeling of the weirdness that's how the combat sports world likes to work where oh the guy that you want to see beat him or you just want to see him get knocked out it'll happen but it'll happen when no one's watching because no one cares about this fight and has no idea who he's fighting even with the tommy fury stuff i feel like that lost a whole lot of luster after everything that happened with the last supposed to be fight you know in the Woodley rematch like you mentioned there and um it hasn't helped that jake has maybe been i don't want to say less active because he's always kind of around and you know keeping himself relevant but he i just feel like people have stopped caring a decent amount after the woodley one and i'm glad you mentioned how awful that fight was mike because if that knockout doesn't happen my goodness who knows where we go from there because there was practically nothing that happened in that fight up until that knockout um but yeah, as for this this one right here, it's it is what it is, man. Like good for him to actually take a likely more boxing challenge and taking on a boxer. So that's cool. I'm glad to see him do that, but obviously it's not what people kind of have gotten used to seeing from Jake Paul and necessarily want to see from him, I think, except for maybe people who are serious Jake Paul fans, whether it's of him as an athlete or a personality. So for me, I could do without either of those. Yeah, I call that a billion dollar punch. A lot of people feel like it's it's over exaggeration, but I don't think so. Like between the money he would have lost and the money he kind of gained back and what could come from that, I call that a billion dollar punch and I'm okay with that. So you mentioned the L word, Drake. You mentioned the L word. What happens if Jake loses this fight? What happens? Ooh. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the funny thing too, right? Is if it does happen to an opponent like this who you know the least known rockman jr um out of everyone he has fought there's multiple ways it could go and i think the the obvious is like all right well this completely kills jake paul's boxing career he'll go away and continue to do his other stuff or people will give him the excuse of he lost to a boxer this time give him give him one more see how he does like all right, this is what we waited for and knew was going to happen when it happened. So they'll kind of brush it off. And I mean, it depends on how he loses as well, right? If he does get knocked out or if it's a decision and is competitive, um, then, you know, I'm sure he'll get a pass potentially or people will really slam him again, kind of depending on how he does lose potentially. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of, I guess, Logan's loss to what, KSI or whatever. It seemed like people all thought that he wanted to win. And not that I cared much about that either, but from what I was seeing, uh, everyone kind of expected him to win. And then he controversially lost or whatever. So who knows if there's even funny business, but uh, I think that most likely he will get a pass because it's the first boxer and this was what we were waiting for to happen. I'm glad you brought the Logan thing up, Jed, because same question to you, because Logan loses to KSI or whatever. And what does he do? He gets 
the freaking Floyd Mayweather exhibition fight and probably made a gazillion dollars. I know he's saying that he didn't get paid, but who the hell knows? Now he's signed with WWE. So the loss to KSI didn't really hurt him. So I feel like a loss doesn't really affect him at all. In fact, you could make a case that a loss actually could maybe in the short term doesn't help him, but there's still like, I feel like the pool of potential opponents grows significantly with the loss. Like you could fight different athletes, different celebrities. You can go back to the MMA thing. The thing that was making you all this money and getting you all this attention in the first place. So would it be the worst thing in the world if he loses this fight? What happens if he does lose to Hasim Rockman Jr. on August 6th? No, it's fine if he loses this fight. Um, I think it all depends because I, I don't I don't know how this plays out, right? Not this fight. I don't know how the Jake Paul career goes because it's really hard for me to see past the next two or three fights right like i I don't i do not know jake paul's fans fundamentally don't understand them so i don't know how much they have an appetite to watch him try to be a pro boxer right like if this is so far he has fought other big names and talked a bunch of shit and sold the fights and in that way and because that is new and different and he was fighting other famous-ish people um there's something compelling there, but if he beats to see Rockman Jr., I don't know what's next for him, right? Because then he's beat, even if Rockman Jr. is not like a great fighter or like a super pro or whatever, he's beat like a, an actual person whose job is boxing. Uh, that like that is their profession that he will have now beaten, and that feels like that puts him down a very different path because he's still obviously a lifetime away from getting a Canelo fight or like doing anything like that. But at that point, if he beats a real boxer, it's like Anderson Silva is the only dude who makes sense for you next. And sure. I mean, maybe the Nate Diaz fight, maybe that still makes sense because it's Nate Diaz, but like those two fights make sense to me from a here. There's a baked in something here that people will have interest. I have no idea how long Jake Paul fans will want to watch him continue to just try and be a pro boxer. Maybe it's, in perpetuity, in which case the loss doesn't hurt him. He's in the Conor McGregor zone and his fans are going to tune in like Jake's, uh, like Drake's fans are going to tune into this show and, and skew the vote when I'm obviously <laughs> beating him pillar to post. Uh, like that's, and that, that fa- having a fan base and being beloved is that's a skill. And I'm, if he can market it, that works for him. It feels to me like people who like Jake Paul, cause he did pranks or whatever the hell he did that unless they're naturally boxing fans, it feels like that dies out at some point. So I just don't know how that works. And in that regard, a loss is better because the loss does put him back on the here, just fight a bunch of MMA fighters or a footballer or some, you know, some other athletes doing other things. And you can kind of stay in this celebrity gimmick as opposed to going down this other road. But honestly, I have no idea. Like, to me, the most obvious thing is do his brother did. You box a couple times and you go to the WWE. Like, that's just go be a professional wrestler. Or, you know, go join AEW instead of WWE, and then you can have your own area to do it. Like, that just feels like the actual place that you're supposed to go. But I, I, I'm i not good at predicting this. I, I would have been wrong about basically every turn of Jake Paul's professional athletic career at this point. I'm on Ticketmaster right now. I'm just curious. I was just curious how ticket sales are doing for this card. They're not doing 
very they can't well. Be good. I mean, they're not doing. I mean, at all. That, that's <laughs> yeah. the other thing. There's, even, there's, even Jake, there's not much happening. Even Jake in his own like uh, shit talk video to Connor, which by the way, that was the biggest bodying since like Ether. Like, oh my god, that dude <laughs> killed Connor. Like that. If those, if he said that to Connor in his face, Connor has no choice but to swing on him. Like that. Those are <laughs> that is the definition of fighting words. Uh, but in that, he was like. I sold 200,000 pay-per-view buys in the second fight with Tyron Woodley and no one wanted to watch. And it was like, it's kind of weird that you're admitting that because like those are Demetrius Johnson pay-per-view numbers. So I don't know about that. <laughs> but also then I was like, I mean, I get it. Short notice, a rematch no one cared about. But if if no one has cared about his opponents that much anyway, like he is the guy who's supposed to bring them in. So if his floor or close to his floor is 200K buys, like – this is going to do that number. It's going to do the same. And that I don't know how long that is a, a business strategy that other people will invest in or that he'll even be that interested in of, well, I can, I can box somebody in for 200,000 pay-per-view buys and paper an arena because I can't sell out the tickets to this. I get it. It feels like we should be coming to the end of his road here, but then he maybe then he does get to fight the Nate Diaz one, and then he fights Nate Diaz, and it'll that thing will do huge numbers, so it won't matter. Yeah, and he could fight Nate Whitter like, lose here as long as Nate can be free. Yeah. Yes. What, what Honestly, percentage it's better would you if say, he loses to fight Nate? What percentage would you say of the seats is left? Oh, 70, probably. Oh, wow. <laughs> so so they have- also couldn't have gone on sale. I mean, they had to have gone on sale relatively recently. But yeah, it's, this thing was not knocking the doors down to go. The Serrano Taylor presale sold like 10,000 tickets, like just in the presale before they even went on sale in the public. So yeah, this is this is not good. Uh, they could get some late buys. Who the hell knows? Maybe they'll drop some tickets. I just don't know a world where someone's like, hey, you know what? This Saturday, let's go watch Jake Paul fight Haseem Rockman Jr. Oh, tickets for like the middle section are $256 to watch this. I just don't know a world where that happens. I will say this, going to Tampa and Drake, you were there. <laughs> They're off. <laughs> that, that Amelie arena was packed. I mean, there yeah. were a ton of people there. I couldn't believe it. And there were a ton of people there from the get go, like from the first prelim, yeah, there were yeah. a lot of people there. I was stunned. I was honestly, I couldn't believe how many people were there, but Oh, well, no more Jake Paul talk until the week of the fight. So we'll take a couple of weeks we'll off. Let us move on. Yeah. So listen, two weeks off, um, something the UFC hasn't said in quite some time. So the point for round three Every- goes to. It goes to Jed Mishu. It is two to one. Oh, good. The ghost <laughs> hanging in there. <laughs> He's hanging in. He's hanging in so he can make it to the, at worst, he makes it to the knockout round. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, so let's go to this Saturday, and I am very excited for this Saturday, mostly because we get a big card, we get a big-ish card on ABC, and it starts at 11 a.m. Eastern. Prelims start at 11 a.m. Eastern. The main card is at 2 p.m. Eastern. This is like right in the ABC wide world of sports wheelhouse in terms of when this will actually be on television live. If John Anik are not wearing the yellow ABC blazers. We have done something wrong. This is a terrible travesty. They should be wearing those gold ABC jackets in the world of wide world of sports, but that's neither here nor there. So, Jed, we'll begin with you. Describe the UFC Long Island lineup from top to bottom in one word and then explain yourself. Solid. Just, it's just solid. Like it's, this is not a card that you call up your friends and are like, Hey, what are you doing Saturday afternoon? Because I know it's, I know it's July and the weather is gorgeous and we could do any number of things. We could go hiking. We could go to the park. We could just <laughs> sip beers and, and float down a river, but instead we should stay inside and watch people fist fight. This is not that card, but it is a very good card. If you, if you have nothing going on, if you broke your leg and can't go hiking, if it's raining, so the outdoor activities wherever you are are not as fun. Uh, it's a great card. And if you're on the East Coast, it's fantastic because you can watch this whole card and then you can go, then for the first time, and it feels like years, honestly, you can be like, cool, <laughs> I'm going to go to dinner with my friends, maybe go out and have a beverage, maybe have a lot of beverages. Totally fine because I don't need to be checking my phone for updates on what the hell happened on this fight night card. Uh, so it's a very solid card. Also, every fight on – I won't say that every fight on this card is good because not all of them are. I mean they're mostly fine. But I truly do not know the last time that every fighter on a card had a Wikipedia page and that card wasn't a pay-per-view because <laughs> pay-per-views usually are that way. 276 at least certainly was that. But I don't know the last fight night card where you could just be like, oh, all of these people have done enough in their lives to merit a Wikipedia page, which is not a high bar to clear because you can just go make your own. <laughs> so it's not a high bar to clear. But many people haven't. And so this one does. It's uh, The main event is awesome. Uh, Shane Burgos, Charles Jordan is awesome. Uh most of the main card is at least relevant. The fights might not all be awesome, let's be real, but uh, Chanel Sumaderji, probably going to be really fun. Uh, and some of the undercard stuff is okay. So solid B, B-plus-ish card. Drake, what is your word to describe this card and explain why? So I'm going to go with, I think, the word hardcore and i don't think it's exactly the perfect definition of a hardcore fight fan card because of the fact well there are all wikipedia pages like jed said but i mean in my opinion considering myself a hardcore and seeing some other people's online who maybe aren't as excited for this i think that this card is 
you know, exceptionally good for a fight night, especially compared to some that we've gotten recently. I don't know, sure that helps because of ABC and whatnot. And, you know, Misha Tate, Lauren Murphy was moved off of the 276 one. And not to say that's going to be the best fight by any stretch of the imagination, but two uh, notable names, a former title challenger and then, um, you know, former champion. But, uh, yeah, no, I think this card is very good. I mean, you look at some of the fights that Jed even listed. He didn't even mention Ricky Simone and Jack Shore. Another great set of Bantamweights right there. My goodness, they're all <laughs> over the place, aren't they? So, I mean, that one there's, right there could be. There's a top 20 Bantamweights. It is a very good fight. <laughs> there's that fight. I mean, uh, and even as early on as Dustin Jacoby, who's been doing well, Dion Jung. Uh, and I'm really excited for Emily Dakota's debut, of course, in the UFC former Bellator title challenger, recent Invicta champion, taking on Jessica Penne. I just think top to bottom, there is a whole lot to like, especially for somebody who has been following the sport closely. And even if you are a more casual fan, I would struggle to not be excited with, you know, just watching for that main event, which you are going to know. And then you'll be satisfied with what I, I could see a lot of finishes going down on this card. I mean, Puna Soriano is on it as well against Dolce. Uh, always fun to say Lungiambula, right? That's the opponent there in Burgos and Jordan, like Jed said. I mean, I, the only, there's only like two maybe matchups here that I am not like expecting to be at least thrilling in some aspect, but uh, I think there's a lot to like. And so in terms of a hardcore fan who should know every person on this card in particular, I don't see how you don't really feel excited for this. And, you know, of course, maybe if it's earlier for you, like it is me on the Pacific coast, that's a little bit of a bummer, but uh, then, Hey, you can get it out of the way and you can go have all the fun in the afternoon. Like Jed was talking about over on my side. So I think this is better for you. Yeah, you yeah. So you get to enjoy the lovely weather and the you know the sun. Finally, finally coming around over here. But yes, <laughs> yeah, you get to go to the beach and go out at night. We just get to like go out at night. So there you go. We talked about we've talked about the stakes of the main event quite a bit. We all, I think, I, I know I feel, and I've said for a while, even after Josh Emmett beat Calvin Cater, that if Yair Rodriguez beats Brian Ortega, he's getting the next title shot against Alexander Volkanovsky. I think that's what the promotion goes. Yair has said that's what the UFC has told him as well. But Jed, what happens if Brian Ortega wins this fight? Does he get a title oh. shot? Do they run this one right back? Does Josh Emmett get a title fight, or are they going to have to fight each other? I'll be the saddest panda that has ever lived if Brian Ortega wins and it's like, it seems like he's going to like, it's certainly the most likely outcome. And I can't, I still don't like Brian Ortega. I still think he's not very good, even though he is objectively one of the three or four best featherweights in the world. I don't understand him. He doesn't make sense to me. Um, and he's probably going to lose. He's probably going to be losing every second. Like, like always going to lose every single second of this fight uh, until he just, throttles uh uh yeah like that's just how his <laughs> fights goes the one exception being korean zombie i guess the two exceptions being korean zombie where he was never losing that fight max where he just did the losing the fight and not the miracle comeback part the rest of it he just loses every fight he's in then he has a miracle comeback um and so that's probably what's gonna happen and it's gonna suck because i'll have to once again come on our post-fight show and be like Brian Ortega won, yeah. Uh, and then when he wins, he's not going to get a title fight just because we already did that song and dance. He needs to do more to get himself back, or at least, dear God, I hope so, because I really want Brian, really want Alexander Volkanovsky to fight other dudes instead of just fighting the same guy over and over and over again. 
it'd be great for him to actually defend against the rest of the division. But if Ortega wins, he's not going to, because if Ortega wins, then they're going to just run him into a lightweight title fight, which is stupid because that division is also clustered at the top because as Drake mentioned on a previous question, Connor might come back and do some dumb stuff. We still don't really have absolute clarity on who's going to fight for the vacant belt. It's just a bunch of chicanery going on. And instead of Volkanovsky defending against Emmett or Arnold Allen or any of the other like seven dudes at featherweight who have come on in the last year and a half, he'll just go up to lightweight and then Ortega will fight Josh Emmett in a number one contenders match, which sucks because he'll definitely submit Josh Emmett. And then Volkanovski will just fight Brian Ortega when he comes back to featherweight and we'll somehow be talking about him being the greatest featherweight of all time, which is obvious horse shit because it's obviously <laughs> Jose Aldo at this moment in time. I'm not saying Volk couldn't get there, but he'd do a lot if he just stopped beating Brian Ortega and Max Holloway over and over and over again because that's not how you declare yourself the greatest by just beating the same two dudes in circles for years. So I am the world's biggest Yaya Rodriguez fan this weekend and dear God, I hope he does it. Please, please, everything is so much better if he wins. Jed, are you pretty much declaring Brian Ortega as the featherweight Derek Lewis here? I just got to make the comparison. Oh, uh, I previously, Derek Lewis, uh, Brian Ortega, and Yoel Romero. Interestingly, I love both <laughs> Derek Lewis and Yoel Romero. Yoel Romero, I may be the biggest stand of in the entire world. Brian Ortega, I... I have never cared for, but they're all very similar in that they lose fights until they win fights because they're, they are predatory fighters. They are not, they, they, they win wars, they lose battles. And I understand that in, in like a baseline, but it makes a lot more sense to me when like Derek Lewis just hammer jacks some dude with lunchbox. It's like, Oh yeah, he just knocked that dude out. It's not like, Dude, you train with BJJ black belts all the time. Why are you giving him your neck? Like, what are you doing, Cubs? Like, what are you doing, Cubs Swanson? What are you? You're a black belt yourself. What are you doing? Just doesn't. I don't understand it because he is a he is obviously incredibly talented in a way that I can't quite put the pieces together to. Right, and so I hate Drake you because you all you hate what you don't understand. <laughs> That's how the world works. Drake, would you would you understand what would happen in the UFC's eyes if Brian Ortega wins on Saturday? Would I understand what would happen? Uh, I mean, if if we're talking in terms of him getting another title shot. I mean, I don't, dis I don't agree with that. <laughs> I don't think that the winner of either, either man, whoever wins this fight should get the title shot. And I think it would be a whole lot more likely for, or, well, I mean, it makes more sense if you were to give it to Yair because he hasn't fought Volkanovsky before. Um, and Ortega obviously is, he's coming off of the Volkanovsky loss going into this one. So it still feels very fresh, but again, they could be like, Oh, that first fight was so great when really it was only just the fact that Ortega almost got him. Like it was one, it was one side of traffic for Volkanovsky as it has typically been outside of the Holloway rematch. Right. Um, and that made the fight very fun. And what I think the UFC even, even gave that fight of the year last year, which is kind of funny. I mean, uh, was in crazy moments and whatnot, but I don't know if I'd go that far. Um, so, I think Josh Emmett has definitely been the guy to earn it here at featherweight. And I would like to see fresh faces. I'm always about fresh matchups too. So I agree with Jed there. Like you got to see these champions beat more people 
rather than the same guy over and over before you can declare them the GOAT. I've been saying the same thing about Kamara Usman lately. And yes, it's not these fighters' faults that they're beating people and then they're rematching them. Like the UFC can throw at them whoever they want. But before you start making these crazy claims, let's hold on. You know, look at what other people have done. The GSPs, the Aldos who beat everybody before finally being toppled. Um before we can declare you as the best ever, as you're still in the middle of making this a reality. But either way, that's going off on a tangent. As for this matchup here, it'll be very fun, very exciting. And just because of that alone, even if it's close, you could see the winner coming out. It is on ABC, so extra exposure. Like It has all the makings of jumping over Josh Emmett, but at the same time, I still kind of struggle to see them actually going through with it just because of the fact it seems hard to sell the potential Ortega rematch this quickly, again, depending on how this fight plays out. And then for Rodriguez, yes, he has a great fan base and you could get, you know, the Latin America on his side there to get them excited. They'll watch whatever uh, supporting their guy in a title shot. But I don't know. It just seems out of place for logically and merit-wise, which doesn't usually matter to the UFC. But um I don't know. It's very, it's a very odd situation here with the featherweight division now as Volkanovski continues to dominate and is teasing lightweight. And Dana even said he can do whatever he wants. So who knows? Maybe Volkanovski does go up, fight Oliveira in the meantime, and then we see the winner of this fight take on Emmett, which I wouldn't hate that actually because I think Volkanovski or uh, Oliveira would be absolutely insane. Well, there you go. I don't think Jed loves that idea. I don't think Jed loves the idea of Volk going up to 155 and fighting either of those guys, but we'll see. I'm fine we'll with see. it if he just just ditch featherweight and do it, man. Like, just do that. Like, you want to go? Cool. And don't come uh, back. Golly, and give you the free shot, but just you're there now. That's where you live. That's the world you live in. And this is not a Volk-specific thing. I've felt this way about every fighter in every division forever because it just, just fusters everything up to hell when you're like, all right, cool. They can go do this thing unless like the only fighter and obviously that wouldn't happen that I think had actually deserves it at this moment in time would be Israel Dissenia because he has actively cleaned out his division. If you look at the UFC's rankings, look at our rankings, he's beaten like most of the dudes in the top 10 of that weight class. He's already also made the effort and it failed. So you don't let him do it again because he, he tried it the one time and it didn't work. But like folks beating two guys in the top five. Beat more of them, and then you can go do the two-way thing. Otherwise, just go. Just You go like, hey, I just want to go get that one. I'm like, cool. Leave 145, Arnold Allen, Josh Emmett, you two can fight it up for the vacant belt. Like, let's do that. That, that works for me. There you go. All right. Point for round four goes to... It goes to Drake. It is two to two. You know what that means. It is time for the knockout round question. One minute. We'll be on the clock. <laughs> one, one minute. We'll be on the clock. And each individual will have a chance to answer a question. And once that minute is up, we'll go to the peeps. They will decide who they thought won the matchup in the poll. That will be in there. And then E. Casey Lyon will come on and he will now the winner of the matchup so drake you are the champion you have the prerogative what do we want to do here do you want to go first or you want to pass it on over to jed mishu i'll pass it to the challenger mike all right so we have a a, a little it's the same question but you have 
but it'll be multiple sides here, Jed Bashu. This is a question that was asked to me on Instagram, so I thought I would present it here on BTL. Um, so, Jed, you okay. can choose this door number one. I assumed it was. <laughs> you can choose oh, door I'll number take... one number or two. door number two. Number All two, right, my door Lord. Number two. number two. So we are talking about the future of the 205-pound division. Oh, right? that's right. Yuri Prohashka. Yuri Prohashka has come out and said he's going to fight Glover Teixeira for the title. That's what he wants. And I feel like the UFC is probably going to do that because, like we've said many times, if you're going to do the Glover rematch, you have to do it now. Otherwise, it's just not going to happen. So apparently, I mean, there are multiple people who are eyeing this title, but there are two that are kind of at the top of the conversation right now. One, not surprising. The other, very surprising. So, Jed, you chose door number two. You are the reigning, defending, undisputed, <laughs> welterweight champion of the world. You are Kamara Usman. Okay. You are going to take one minute and defend your statement that you're ready to jump up to 205 and that you should be the next guy outside of Glover Teixeira, Yuri Prohashka, to fight for the title. One minute on the clock. Mr. Usman, your time starts now. I mean... Guys, did did you see the photo? Did you see me and Jan? Jan, I know Jan's talking all this this nonsense about dropping to 185 and facing Israel Adesanya. I can't move up to 185. Three kings. I can't do it. I'm not going to come at my boy, though I would obviously kick the shit out of my boy should I want to do that. So you know what? I'm hunting bigger game. The biggest game, the 205-pound Yuri Prohashka, that wild man, let me do that. You saw the photo, me and Jan, basically the same size. In the words of Mike Goldberg, virtually identical. So I don't know why I can't go up and fight the 205 because I can't do the middleweight one and everybody else is doing it. You're going to let Volkanovsky do it. I was pound for pound king way longer than Volkanovsky is and we're suddenly going to let him move up weight class? I can't do it. So if Izzy's going to hold tight to his and he has to because he's fighting Pereira next and props, my boy's going to beat Pereira. I got to go on up. It's cool. Glover's old. Jan's also old. No one gives a shit. Let me fight for Hashka. Wow. There you go. We Honestly, heard from probably better Jed. than he would have done. Yes. Jed Mishushman getting it done. And <laughs> sure, sure. his claim <laughs> for the two. <laughs> for the 205 on title. But that. <laughs> All right, so Drake, that means you are the other side of this coin. You are the man who holds not only a new haircut, but the man who holds the legendary Polish power and once held this title, the 205-pound title. Jan Bohovic, who feels like the champion has dishonored the samurai code by saying one thing and then going out on social media and doing the complete opposite. So why are you the guy... That should be fighting next for the title, not Glover Teixeira or getting the winner of this fight. Why are you the guy more so than Jed Mishushman? One minute on the clock. Your time starts now. Well, I mean, first of all, Yuri, man, what is going on here? You told me that you would give me the title shot. We were having a very friendly conversation between two very scary European men. Imagine just how big that this fight could be for our country. Now you go back on it turning the samurai the, the code away i mean i thought this was what you were all about is it the noose that i carry to the octagon with me and gives me my power are you afraid of that along with the legendary polish power i mean i've been so good recently i was a former champion 
what more do you need? I just beat a guy in Alexander Rockage without even touching him. I beat the guy, I didn't even have to hit him and he went down. That's how good I have been. And you know, Glover Teixeira, maybe he got a win over me, but it was a fluke. Think of what we could do for European MMA. You are a liar, Yuri Prohoshka. And just because of that alone, we should settle things. We are no longer friends. You've been knocked out by King Mo before. Imagine what I would do to you, Yuri. I get why you don't want to fight, but this is the one to make. I mean, what a spirited battle. And it, it just so happens that as this is going down, a absolute monsoon, and I mean a scary yeah. storm, has hit the low country. So we need to do this relatively quickly. Uh, so get your votes in. <laughs> That's how it goes. Before man. I lose power. Yeah, this is going to happen. Friggin' It's always friggin' Thursday. It's always between three and like four fifteen. <laughs> you should have asked me before you moved down. I could have told you. I didn't think this would be like an every single day thing. Um, oh, it but, really is. <laughs> where are you, Mike? Are you not have, in Carolina anymore? No, I'm in South Carolina. I'm a little oh, country okay. here in South Carolina, just getting absolutely <laughs> monsooned upon. But. Little programming note, so much content on the podcast network. It's absolutely ridiculous. The ranking show, uh, we have no bets barred. We have multiple episodes of Heck of a Morning. Uh, Dan, they were good. The Donald Cerrone episode is about to head on up. That was a, a very good get in AK and myself. Um, we'll have the weigh-in show 8 a.m. tomorrow. And that's going to go from 8 to 10 Eastern. Then we'll have a Heck of a Morning. Then we'll have a preview show Saturday. People's pre-fight show, post-fight show, on to the next one on Sunday, so forth and so on. So, Casey, let's go to you. Let's get, let's figure out who won this damn thing. Is it, and still, Drake Riggs, or once again, Jed Mishu? Look at how, I mean, just look at how well-dressed both of these guys are. I mean, I this is full, I could go tough. full top button. Yeah, you want to yeah, go, go all the way buttoned up? Oh. Is that the better look? Wow. I've actually now. never buttoned everything. the top button here. So you gotta, go, you gotta go top button. Oh, yeah. All right. Top button. There. This is a golf <laughs> shirt. You <laughs> certainly do not go top it button. Okay. Uh, looks like everyone has their votes in. Ooh, wow. All right. <laughs> is that, wait a minute. Is that, is that an ooh, what wow? Like this is really close? Or is this an ooh, wow? This is an absolute annihilation. I'm going to assume it's the latter. <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers. No spoilers. Call it a hunch. Oh boy. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. Oh, boy. This is scary. Your winner. <laughs> Ooh. Today. With 55% of the votes. Oh. And still, Drake Riggs. Ah, all right. Yeah, that was good, Jed. Listen, you're getting yeah, better and better. Closing the gap. And like, yeah, six more title defenses. You might <laughs> yeah. get this thing done. In, <laughs> in like a real world where Drake doesn't, his mom doesn't have like 18 burner accounts and is just spamming votes. <laughs> like the plus minus for Drake and the people he brings is like 12 points. So I actually won by a lot in like a regular poll. So I feel great. Good battle. Well done, it, everyone. As, as it, Greg Jackson once said, get some fans, Jed. Come on. Ah, and for those of you who don't, and those of Drake's fans who donated $1.99 or whatever it costs to be a member, thank you very much. Drake, 30 seconds, my man. What would you like to say? Is your record improves to four and two? 
Oh, man, it feels great to go to four and two, Mike. I mean, the wins keep racking up the title defenses. Let's just uh, remember to stay positive, you guys, in this crazy world we live in. Be friendly to one another. Don't need to be mean all the time. And uh, you know what? I actually want to make a call out, Mike. And <gasps> I think it would be Let's I go! think it would be a first. I think it would be a very first time that we would see this person on BTL, at least as a competitor. So I want you, Mike Heck. I want to take on the man himself for my next title defense. Can we make this oh, happen? We could have good call Casey I... run the show. Or Jed, somebody. Oh, bullshit. Bullshit. I'm hosting. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute what nonsense. You, what, what do you think, Jed? You want to you host? I will uh, absolutely we'll host. Happen? I used to call Drake. out Casey all the time when Casey was <laughs> the, the judge, jury, and executive producer, and we never got to do it. Because you guys, you just protected Casey. Because I maintain Casey's the only man who's ever defeated me in this show. Uh, so I'll absolutely do if you want to run that. My only thing is, at some point, <laughs> at some point, are we gonna get the Connor, the Connor Jose fight? Like that's that's the I'm one. I'm trying, man. man. Connor's, uh, Connor said, the, Connor said he's got to be bu really busy the next couple of weeks. So when he is available, we will make that happen first uh at the first opportunity but if drake if drake wants to take host mike out of this middle spot and over to the right spot and he turns into boston mike if that's what drake really wants i will make I that really happen and it mike won't be pretty <laughs> it won't be pretty there will be yelling there will be changing of accents probably multiple times. <laughs> if you listen to the last few episodes of Heck of a Morning, Boston Mike has been unleashed a couple you, of different times. You slip it out every once in a while. It's awesome. It's the most yeah. fun. It'll be a monsoon the but whole I, show. Ooh. Yeah, I accept. <laughs> I accept, and I can't wait two weeks from right now Let's go. to host this show with a belt <laughs> on my shoulder, Drake Riggs. Let's go. You can hit the music, Let's Casey. Go. Hit the music. Well I'm sweating. It's 114 <laughs> degrees in here. Let's go. You're going down, Drake. You can bring all oh, the minions you want. Because I got cousins and lots of them, and they'll all be here <laughs> donating their 199. You have, so. you have Boston, and Boston is everywhere. <laughs> this is true. We are everywhere. We're taking They're just over, everywhere. I right. don't understand. <laughs> That's it. But until that. He's got even less hair than I do. Yes, I'm he growing does. it out. No, it's gone tomorrow. <laughs> but for Drake Griggs, for Jeff Shoe, I am Mike Heck. We'll see you back here once again between the links. Good night, everybody. Love you guys. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible 
eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.